0: The following message is brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 25 and verse number 14 in just a moment. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 25. But before we get into our sermon, have any of you ever found yourself in a situation like me where you got a little absent-minded? Have anybody ever done this before? You're doing something and you just lose track of what's happening around you. Uh, several years ago, we had a guest preacher come in to preach for us. And as sometimes the case is, I, I oftentimes want to just kind of do my best to put my best foot forward. You know, oftentimes the people who come in are mentors of mine, they're friends, people who have been encouragement and a blessing uh, over the years. And so I I definitely try to want to make a good first impression. And I remember uh, our speaker came in, he preached, and when the preaching was done, I thought, you know, I'm going to take him out to lunch, pick his brain, ask him some questions. And I just was really looking forward to the opportunity of, of spending some time with a mentor of mine. So we uh, left the church and we went over to to Takumai's right here across the street at Shaw. How many of you, raise your hand, you ever been to to Takumai's before? All right, it's pretty good, decent food. And so we went in there and uh, we sat down at a table and we weren't there very long when a waitress came up and asked us what we'd like to drink. And so I said, well, I'll take a lemonade. And he was like, I'll take a Coke. And uh, so she brought our drinks over and we just really got to talking. I was asking questions, very focused, all into the conversation, and I was just so Soaking it in, but in the process of just being social and uh, just asking questions, uh, somehow I, I must have lost track of what was happening around me. Uh, because after a few moments, the waitress had come by, and she uh, as she stopped by, the pastor friend of mine uh, looked up at the waitress and, he, and, and said, uh, do, you, "Do you mind bringing me out uh, a soda, one of, one of my cokes?" And I thought this was kind of strange because he, you know I was thinking he hasn't even taken a sip of his drink. Yeah, why would he be needing another drink? And that's when I noticed, I looked down at the table and both cups were right in front of me. And apparently, the entire time we were talking, I had been drinking both of our drinks that entire time. And so I had downed mine, I had downed his, I had down my lemonade, his Coke, and the entire time, he's very gracious, but I, I could tell just on the look of his face, you know, uh, uh, this guy is weird, I don't know what's going on, why is he drinking my drink? And uh, sure enough, you know, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, it was a little awkward, a little strange. And the reason I bring that up is because it, it, it's always a little awkward, it's always a little strange when we treat something that belongs to someone else as if it is ours it's a little awkward it's a little strange we're currently in a sermon series that we've entitled taking inventory and in this particular series we're looking at how an individual's worldview how they perceive the world around them their beliefs their values their motivations their worldview how that worldview influences their behavior and, and today, we're going to be continuing that message series with a sermon on God's ownership, God's ownership. If you're visiting with us today, we're so glad to have you as our guest. In fact, inside the service program that you should have received on your way in, there's a little connection card, and I just want to encourage you to fill that out later on in the service. You'll have an opportunity to turn that in. We'd love to have a record of your attendance, uh, as well as just be able to get you some information uh, about some upcoming events here at our church, so I hope you'll do that. For our members and regular attenders, there is a Bible study that you can use to follow along as we read through the Matthew chapter number 25, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving into our Bible study this morning. Now, before we read this, I do want to give one quick announcement. I don't typically do this, but this is so important that I want to share this with you right now. Um, Starting this evening, we have our Next Step Bible study launch. It happens at five o'clock this evening right here in this room. And for those of you who may not know what that is, is as a church family, uh, we have three primary Bible studies that we want to encourage every member and every regular uh, attender in our church to go through. In fact, uh, for those that are becoming members or who desire to become members, this is actually something that we encourage you to go through before becoming a member. But if you are a regular attender or a member and you've not yet gone through these three Bible studies, our our, uh, primers, I want to encourage you to get involved and jump in tonight. We're going to focus on our commitment. To Christ, we're going to be right here in this room at 5 p.m. Uh, we're going to take about 10 minutes together as a group, and this is really our environment where we develop and cultivate our disciples. And so, after the 15 minutes together, we're going to break off into one with one, or maybe couple with couple, and we're going to go and do a Bible study together for the next six weeks. And I, I really want to encourage every individual in our church uh, to prayerfully consider being a part of that tonight at 5 o'clock. Now, I'll say this. I was told that we're going to have Christmas cream donuts and some coffee there at 5. And then just for the fun of it, afterwards when we're all finished at about 6.15 or 6.30, uh, as a church family, we're going to all go out to a restaurant and just kind of hang out and fellowship together. And so I want to encourage you to come, to be a part. We're going to enjoy some good food. We're going to enjoy some good fellowship. But we're going to continue to cultivate our heart for making disciples and this really is our environment where we do this we do this several times a year we'll do it for the next five weeks it's kind of our sunday night emphasis and so i want to encourage you to be a part here this evening at 5 p.m matthew chapter number 25 is where we're at today if you're physically able i'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text this morning the gospel of matthew chapter number 25 verse number 14 is where we'll start Uh, These words, these passages, is in red letters. So if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, um, that literally means that these are the words of Jesus. And in this particular passage, he's giving a parable. Notice what the scriptures say in verse number 14. The Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 25, verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Verse 15. And then to one he gave five talents. This is a unit of monetary value. That's what these are to. He gave them five talents, these five units of monetary value. Another, he gave two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability. Whatever his abilities were, that's what this master gave to his servant. Notice, and it says, And straightway he took his journey. He left. Verse sixteen. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them five other talents. Seventeen, and likewise, he that had received two, he also gained an other two, but but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them." And so he that hath received the five talents came and brought other five talents saying Lord thou deliverest unto me five talents behold i have gained beside them five talents more verse 21 the lord said unto him well done thou good and faithful servant thou hast been faithful over a few things i will make thee ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into our Bible study today that we've simply entitled, It All Belongs to God. It All Belongs to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all of your gifts that you richly bestow upon us. Lord, I pray that as a people that we would have a heartbeat to always and continually live in light of that reality. I pray that you would bless our Bible study here this morning. I pray that you would use your word and your spirit to challenge, uh, to speak to our hearts, and to lead us into what you would have for our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Our theme for this morning is very simple. If we were to sum this whole sermon up into one statement, it would be simply this. The theme for this morning is what you think you own is really just on loan. What you think you own is really just on loan. This morning, I wanna look at two important principles from this passage that I believe will help us to align our lives with this biblical reality. Now, before we get into our Bible study, let me give you some background. Let me give you a little bit of context here. In this particular passage, there's a very rich and wealthy man, and he's about to go on a long journey. He is going to be away from his businesses for quite some time. And so rather than just putting his money in a bank and letting it sit there, he decides that he is going to give some of his resources. He's gonna give some of his money. He's going to give some of his finances to some of his different servants. He asks those servants, to be wise with that money, to invest it, to be good stewards, and to manage those things very well. Now, what's interesting in this passage is he does not give them all the same amount. He doesn't just say, we're going to split it up and give you all the same amount. No, it says here that they all had different abilities. They all had different skills. They all had different strengths. And so to one of the men, he gives gives five talents, these five units of monetary value. Uh, To another, he only gives two, and to the third, he only gives one. And then the scripture Say that he is now gone for a very long time. In fact, it doesn't say in the passage when he was going to return, and maybe these servants didn't know exactly when the master would return. All they knew is they had been entrusted with these talents, they had been entrusted with this monetary value, and it was their responsibility to steward those things well. Now, as you read in chapters number 25 and verse number 18 and verses number 21 specifically, we're going to see two phrases that help us wrap our mind around uh, one of the major emphases of this chapter, and that's this. In verse number 18 it's referred to as the lord's money so these talents that are given this monetary value is is specifically stated as being the lord's money or the master's money so the master the lord in this passage this money these talents this monetary value belongs to him it's not the servants it's the masters it's the lord so we see that it's the lord's money verse 18. And then in verse number 21, these men are referred to as servants, all right? They're not referred to as masters, they are referred to as servants, or as maybe we would say managers of some sorts, or or even stewards, as sometimes it would be referred to, which leads us to our first insight this morning that I want to focus on, and that is simply this. I want you to see from verses 18 to verses number 21, I want you to see God's ownership, God's ownership. If you're taking notes, I hope you'll jot that down in your Bible study guide. God's ownership. Now, what's interesting to me is our God is the creator of all that exists. If you go to Genesis chapter number one, verse number one, you'll find that God created everything you see. God created everything around you. Why? Because God is the creator. But not only do we see in scriptures that God is the creator of everything that there is, but you'll also find where God is the sustainer of all that there is. That is to say this, God not only created it, not only did he create the world, not only did he create everything we see, but God sustains it. Through his power, through his word, and through his strength, God literally keeps in motion that which he created. So he is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. But we also are going to see in this passage and many other passages this morning that not only is he the creator of all things, not only is he the sustainer of all things, but he is also the owner of all things. He's the owner. Rather than just taking my word for it, I want you to go to the scriptures with me and I want you to see this for yourself. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 10 and verse number 14, notice what it says. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God. The earth also with all that therein is. I want you to see this for yourself. Deuteronomy is telling us, behold, I want you to know this. I want you to get a hold of this. The heavens, everything in the sky, all of it belongs to God. In fact, not even just the heavens, but the heavens of heavens belongs to God. So when you look up at night into the stars and you see the Milky Way and the galaxies and the moon and you look at everything that exists, the Bible says it all belongs to God. He is the owner of the heaven. He is the owner of the universe. In fact, he goes on to say, and not just the universe, not just the heavens, but he is also owner of the earth. He he owns this earth. He's the owner of it. In fact, it goes on even more. Not, not only is the owner of the universe, not only is he the owner of the uh, world, and not only is the owner of the uh, earth, but he's also the owner of, what's it say, all that therein is. It all belongs to God. God claims divine ownership over the universe, the world, and everything that exists inside of it. Um, when I was in Bible college at about 20 or 21 years old, I had a roommate of mine that was really into cars. Anybody in here and you're just, you're just really into cars, man, you like to look at them, you're just really, man, you kind of get into all the details and, and sometimes they're just people and they're really into cars. That's just kind of their thing. They really enjoy it. And uh, my roommate, Dave, was one of these guys. He just loved cars. He loved everything about cars. And so because we weren't very rich, we were very poor as we were going through college, one of the things that we would do on a semi-regular basis is we would go down, to these car lots when a new car would come out and we'd go test drive these new cars and it was just kind of something we could do for free and so we'd go to a car lot when the new cars would come out and he had specific ones that he knew about that he wanted to test drive and so we'd go to the car lot and we'd open up the doors and we'd sit in the leather bucket seats you know we'd pretend like we owned them and 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 then if we if we were really brave we would try to convince a salesman that we actually had enough money to buy it and uh, we'd go on a test drive and so we would do this every once in a while and I remember on one particular day we were doing this and we went to one car lot there was a car he wanted to test drive and so we were test driving some cars we were having some fun and uh, we were going to go to another car lot across the way now like in fresno oftentimes you notice that like car lots are always together they always come in bunches and so we were going from one car lot to another and as we were going from one car lot to another getting ready to leave the car lot where we had just kind of test drive the vehicles uh, Dave saw this car that he had been wanting to test drive for a long time. He's like, man, check that one out. And we ran over this car, and it was beautiful. I mean, you could tell the paint was just pristine. Everything was super clean. It was slick. It had a spoiler on it. It was just nice rims. And he's like, check this one out. And we, he grabbed the door handle. He got in, and we I remember sitting there in the seats, and we're pushing buttons and kind of different things, just having a great time there in the car, looking around, looking here. We're like, man, this thing is awesome. And as we're in the vehicle, just kind of admiring, admiring it looking around all of a sudden in the in the in the distance we we begin to hear this this faint like yelling sound we didn't know exactly what it was we're thinking man it sounds like somebody's angry out there man we just didn't really think a whole lot out of it you know and we're just kind of there and, and all of a sudden we begin to notice that this yelling sound this angry voice was getting louder in fact it wasn't just getting louder it was getting closer and it was getting louder and closer. We're thinking, man, somebody is in trouble. You know, we're like, what is going on out there? You know, something. This is this is not a good situation for somebody because somebody's mad, and it sounded like somebody was about to get hurt. You know, it's just you could just tell the intensity in these uh, voice. And as it's getting closer, all of a sudden we begin to make out what this person's saying because it's getting louder, and we're hearing this angry voice getting closer, and we start to make out these words, "Get out of my car." We're thinking, man what kind of person is in somebody else's car? I mean, that's ridiculous. That's horrible. You know, I said, man, whoever those people are, they're about to get hurt, you know, and the voice gets louder and louder, and all of a sudden, it's getting really close. It's getting really loud, and I look to the back seat, and I realize there's a, there's a, there's a book in the back seat of the car we're in. Now, that's interesting. Why would somebody test drive a car and leave their book in there And we hear it again get out of my car and that's about the moment it all clicked to us you know what i don't think this car belongs to a car lot (laughs) and sure enough this guy was coming closer he was yelling get out of my car and i remember at the time we got out of the car we looked around the guy didn't look too happy so rather than stay around and try to mold things over we just took a run for it man we got out of there as quick as we could so why why because it wasn't ours you see it's always a strange and weird thing when you treat something that doesn't belong to you As if it's yours. The the reality is this. Everything in this world belongs to God. Psalms chapter number 50 verse 10 says it this way. It says, for every beast of the forest is mine. God says, hey, I'm declaring divine ownership over the forest and everything in them. He goes on to say, "And the cattle upon a thousand hills. It's mine. He goes on to say, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. God in His divine sovereignty and lordship claims ownership over all the universe. He claims divine ownership over all the world. He claims divine ownership over the forests, over the cattle on a thousand hills, and He declares, it's all mine. Haggai chapter number 2 verse 8 says it this way. It goes, the silver is mine and the gold is mine saith the Lord of hosts. God in his sovereignty claims divine ownership over the universe, over the world, over everything in the world, over the forest, over the cattle on a thousand hills, and ultimately over the silver and gold mines, finances and money. God declares, it's all mine. I own all of it. It all belongs to me. Psalm chapter number 24 says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Like with one simple stamp, the God of the universe, the creator of all that there is, the sustainer of life declares divine ownership over everything. Now, what we can tend to do as human beings is we can be like, yeah, 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 I understand that everything out there belongs to God. But there are some things that I've worked really hard for. Man, I've worked hard at my job. Man, I've really pulled a lot of energy and time and talent into working and building up my my business. Man, I put my blood and my sweat and my tears into it. I've had to stay up late at night trying to figure out how it was all going to work. And I had to strategize. And I had to, you know, think about what to do here and how to do there. And I just, I poured my life into this thing. And, and, and man, yeah, there's, there's been some benefits from that. And, and those benefits, those benefits are mine. I, I worked hard for it. It's, it's my money. It's my finances. But notice what God says in Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Not only does God declare divine ownership over everything out there, but he also declares divine ownership of all that we possess here. Here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 17. He says, thou hast said in thine heart. So he says, it's rhetorical. But he says, you've said in your heart, it's, it's by my power and the might of my hand that have gotten me this wealth. And don't we do that? I've worked hard. I put in 20 and 30 years. I went to school to get an education, stayed up late at night to try to figure out how to build this career. I've worked hard, not just 40, but 50 and 60 and 70 hours working overtime to build this business. And and it's, it's by my power and it's by my might and it's my intellect and my strategy that has gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. What? For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is to this day. You know what this passage is reminding us of? That even those things that we want to convince ourselves that we've, we've gotten our, on our own. Well, you know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I've worked hard, stayed up late, hustled and, man, put in the hours. Yeah, that's mine. And God says, no. Who gave you the intellect to work that job? Who gave you the physical strength to work that job? Who gave you the ability to make that wealth? And the Bible says, remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you that power. Can I remind you of something today? According to the authority of the word of God, if you've been blessed to be able to make some money and you've been blessed with an intellect to strategize and to build a business to advance your career, God says, I'm the one who gave you that ability. I'm the one who made it possible for you to get wealth. He says, even your strength and your intellect comes from me. It all comes from me. And so God is saying, hey, even those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 continues this thought. The Bible says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Huh, that's an interesting question. Basically... The Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is reminding us, he says, hey, you, you think, you know, you have more intellect than somebody else and, and, and you think you're better at strategizing, you're, you hustle more than someone else does and you have the energy and the strength and the health and the, well, the IQ to do these things. He says, what maketh you to differ from another? What gave you that IQ? Who gave you that strength? Who gave you those abilities? What, what caused you to differ from another? It goes on to say, it says, in what hast thou that thou didst not receive? He basically say if you have it, it means you had to receive it first. Now, if thou didst receive it, it's in the next verse, if you did receive it, why do you glory as if you hadn't received it? This pastor is saying, why, why do you get a little bit arrogant? that you have that type of IQ, or, or, or why do you get a little bit like, well, I work harder than them, or I have this ability. To... Why do you get a little arrogant? Why do you get a little proud about that when even your ability, even your IQ was given to you by God? Do you realize there are people in this world that weren't given high IQ? They weren't given the mental capacity to work a job like you're able to work a job. It wasn't entrusted to them. Well, there are people who are physically handicapped, who aren't physically able to work a job like you're able to work a job. Uh, there are others, you know, their health has been handicapped and not able to have the energy or the health to do what you do. So let's be careful that we don't come to a place where we say, well, you know, it's been my might and my wealth and my intellect and my IQ and it's me that's built this business. It's me that's made this happen and pull myself. No, God says, whoa, 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 be careful. Even your ability to make wealth was a gift to you from God. Your connections, your opportunities, your IQ, your strength, your health is all a gift from the lord i like to say it this way if you got it god brought it if you got it god brought it it's all a gift from the lord in fact 1 corinthians chapter number 6 verse 19 just takes it to an nth degree when it says this you are not your own So, not only does God declare divine ownership over the universe, and not only does He declare divine ownership over the world, and not only does He declare divine ownership over all possessions and all money and all the silver and gold and every mine, God declares divine ownership over you. And He says, as the creator and sustainer, I am also the owner of all. So, we see God's ownership. But not only do we see that in this passage, I want you to notice verse number 20. Verse number 20. The Bible goes on to say in verse 20, and so he that received these five talents, these five units of monetary value, the Bible says he went and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me these five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. This first servant says, hey, God, thank you so much. Master, Lord, thank you so much for entrusting these five talents to me. He says, I went, I invested them. I managed them well. I was a good steward. I did my best to really try to use those things to create more value for you. And I was able to create five more on top of the five you gave me. And in this passage, these individuals are regularly referred to as servants. Or we might use this word stewards. These are stewards. These are managers in these passages, which brings us to our second thought, the second insight that I want us to focus on this morning, and that is this. Not only does this passage remind us of God's ownership, but secondly, it reminds us of man's stewardship. Man's stewardship. Uh, When I was 11 years old, I had the of getting a job with the Fresno Bee. How many of you get the Fresno Bee? Any of you get the Fresno Bee at your house? Maybe one or two. Uh, man, it's not really a thing anymore. Is it? people just go online? Back in the day, we used to have these newspapers, and at 11 years old, you could get a paper out with about 50 or 60 papers. You get on your bicycle, and at 4:30, 5 o'clock in the morning, you go around to your neighborhood and deliver like 50, 60, 70 of these papers to your neighbors. And it's, it's a wonder that they let you know 11 or 12 year old kids do this, but they did. And I remember I got this paper out. In fact, uh, Lori Safford, I think this. Is is where we met when I used to be your paper boy back when I was 11 years old Lori's over here in the wheelchair we met on my paper route that's where we first got to know each other and I got to know your boys during that time and and uh, I delivered your paper and the one thing about your house I remember is back in the day you guys used to have this dog this boxer dog was his name Max was that his name Yep, Max the dog, big old boxer. Every morning, 4.45 in the morning, I'd go up to their door. I'd put that little paper right there by their porch, and Max the dog would attack the door with everything <laughs> in it. It just scared me to death. I'd like have a heart attack. You, know, you think after a while, I'd get used to it. I don't think after five years, never got used to it. So I remember how the way it would work is uh, I would go deliver papers, and at the end of the month, the Fresno Bee would give me a bill. They would say, we have given you this many papers, 70 papers. We parse that out each day. Now you owe us $350. So I, as an 11-year-old kid, would have to pay $350 to the Fresno B. Now what they would do is they would say, you can go out and you can go get the, uh, you can go bill all the people on your paper out." So as 11, 12 years old, I'd go from door to door. I'd knock on the door. I would say, hey, my name is Josh. I'm your paper boy. You owe me $8.75. And oftentimes what they do, they pull out a checkbook, they'd reach in their pocket, they'd grab some cash, they'd hand me the $8.75 and they'd say, great. However, this did not always happen. Sometimes I would knock on the door, I'd go to the door, they'd open it up, I'd say, hey, I'm your paper boy. you owe me $8.75 and they would say, oh yeah, um, come back next week. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. So I'd come back the next week, you know, knock on their door. Hey, you owe me $8.75. I've been delivering the newspaper to you for the last t- couple months. I haven't been paid. Uh, Fresno Bee already got their money. I need some money too, so would you pay me so I could, you know, go buy some baseball cards? And uh, they would give me, they would say, well, uh, not today. Come back next week. <laughs> Man, if I get there, I'd knock on the door, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the lights would go off. <laughs> Curtains would close. I'd be like, I don't think these people want to pay their, their paper bill, <laughs> you know and we'd bill them I remember one time it's a true story I went to one house knocked on the door I said hey you owe me so much money and they looked at me and they said man I'm so sorry they said all I have is this $100 bill they said do you have change I was like I'm an 11 year old kid do you think I have change for a $100 bill no I do not they said I'll tell you what they said I'm going to give you this $100 bill I said, they, they said, would you take it down to the 7 Eleven? a couple blocks away. Uh, some of you might know there used to be a 7 Eleven at Ashland in 99, and that was about the area where I used to do a paper out as a kid. And they said, take it down to the 7 Eleven and ask them for change. They'll give you change. From that change, then, I will, I will pay my bill for the paper. Man, I remember thinking, he handed me that $100 bill. First time in my life I ever held a $100 bill. Benjamin right there looking at, wow, it's more money I've never seen in my whole life. This is crazy, $100 bill. I put that thing in my pocket. I was so scared. I started to get on my bike. I was riding. I was thinking of all the worst case scenarios that possibly could happen. I'm riding along and it flies out of my pocket. How am I going to explain that to this guy? You know, I, I lost your money, you know. I didn't think he was going to go for that. So I was just really nervous. I had my hand in my pocket. I'm riding along, you know, just trying to get to that 7-Eleven. Get to that 7-Eleven. And I was like, hey, I need to exchange some money here, you know, I need to get changed, I explained to what's going on, the uh, situation I got there. I remember getting there and thinking, man, it might be a good, good moment, you know, to, to go buy some candy. You know, after all, I've got $100 in my pocket. Maybe buy some baseball cards, <laughs> get a couple slurpees for me and my friends. Now, here's the honest truth, I didn't do that. You say, man, if you would have done that, that would have been crazy. Why? Why would that have been crazy? I had $100 in my pocket. Why couldn't i go buy some slurpees and some baseball cards and some candy why not and you would tell me because the money isn't yours it was just entrusted to you but how many times do you and i as believers as christians money in our pockets we have possessions in our lives and we treat it as if it's ours when in reality, it's just been entrusted to us to steward and to manage. Luke chapter number 14 has a very interesting statement. It says this. It says, those of you who do not give up everything cannot be my disciples. Wow, that's harsh. What is that talking about? Well, obviously, it doesn't mean that we're f- literally just give it all away if we want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ but what it is talking about in its context it's talking about the posture of a believer's heart that there is a heart posture of surrender a heart posture that says god everything that you've entrusted to me i believe is ultimately yours it belongs to you i'm gonna throw this on the screen but i want you to see this for yourself all too often, we regard stewardship simply as a matter of our giving to God. That's why people don't like, man, pastors say stewardship, and everybody gets real nervous, you know? Oh, giving. I don't know about this giving thing. But honestly, this aspect is secondary. When we talk about stewardship, giving is a secondary aspect. Before we can give, we must possess, right? That makes sense. You can't give something you don't have, But, but before we possess we must receive therefore stewardship is in the first place receiving god's good and bountiful gifts This is what stewardship is ultimately about. The focus and emphasis of stewardship is not just about giving. It's about recognizing first and foremost that before we can give, we have to possess. And before we can possess, we have to receive. And it's a reminder to us that if we have, it's because we've received it first. Once received, those gifts are not to be used solely for our own good. They must also be used for the benefit of others and ultimately for the glory of God, who is the giver. The steward needs an open hand to receive from God and then an active hand to give to God and to others. Here's what Luke chapter number 16, verse 10 says He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust or unfaithful in that which is least is unjust or unfaithful in that which is much. Here's what this verse is teaching. The Bible in its wisdom is saying the type of person that, that doesn't really follow God's principles with, with a small amount of money doesn't tend to be the type of person who does real well managing and stewarding larger amounts of money. The Christian who doesn't do well at stewarding the small amount of possessions God entrusts to them doesn't tend to be the type of person who stewards well larger amounts. And I think there's a lesson to be learned here. There's a wisdom principle here that helps us to recognize, yeah, we might say, well, if I just got, if I win, I've heard this before, if I win the lottery, then then I'll follow biblical principles. And God's saying, eh. the people who are faithful with much are the type of people who are faithful with little. And the people who are not faithful with little, those folks who, who, who don't use biblical wisdom when they have a little, guess what? They're not the type of people who tend to follow biblical principles and use biblical wisdom when they have more. Man's stewardship. It's easy to come to a place where we intellectually believe that God owns it all. So like we we talk about this and there's nobody sitting here and you're like, what? I didn't know that. No, most of us realize, yes, biblically speaking, God owns everything. It's easy to believe intellectually that God owns all that we have, but then still live as if this were not true. And this is where the rubber meets the road. It's one thing to know this academically intellectually theologically but how do we functionally practically live it out i want to give you three just real practical statements on what this would look like to to flesh out in our everyday lives what does it mean man's stewardship of god's ownership what what would that functionally practically look like let me give you three statements number one it would involve taking care of what god has entrusted to you It's one one area practically if God's entrusted something to you, and I'm not just talking financially, I'm not just talking in your possessions, I'm talking in your relationships, I'm talking about your career, I'm talking about your possessions, I'm talking about your money, that whatever God has entrusted to you, you as a res- you have a responsibility as a steward to take care of those things, number two. The second way we steward what God owns, number two, by sharing what God has entrusted to us. By sharing what God has entrusted to us. God entrusts to us, one of the ways that we're faithful with little is by sharing with others around us. And then number three, how, how do we steward well, functionally and practically? Number three, by obeying what God teaches when it comes to finances. This is the third way we steward well. We allow God's word to lead and to guide. We allow this book to give us wisdom into how to interact, our attitudes, our values, our motivations, our habits, when it comes to finances. Let's wrap this up. Notice verse number 21. Now this master said unto this man who had the five talents and made five more, this is what the master said, he said, well done thou good and faithful servant. Notice this. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Notice this. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I want you to see what happens here. Jesus is using this parable. He's using this story, and he's saying, you were faithful with a few things. I am going to give you more to steward. And, And there's a principle here. There's a principle, and that's simply this. One, one of the principles we learn is those that steward faithfully, those that manage faithfully, oftentimes get to steward and manage more. And it's easy as Christians to look around and be like, man, I don't understand. Why don't, I don't get it. Why, God does, why does God seem to bless that person over there? And why does it seem like, man, God does that for that person? Why do you he never do it for me? Now, one reason, I'm not, I'm not being exhaustive, I'm not being dogmatic, I'm not saying every time, but I'm saying oftentimes, the reason why some believers have more to manage is because they've been faithful with a the little. They've been faithful to be generous when they didn't have much. They've been faithful to go- follow God's guidelines when they had a little. It wasn't easy and it wasn't, it's not always comfortable, but they just believed God. And one of the reasons, there are individuals even in this room who do not have more to manage one of the reasons, not all the reasons, one of the reasons there are people in this room who don't have much to manage is because they weren't, they weren't faithful to following God's wisdom to manage the little that God did entrust them with. It's not the only reason, it's one of the reasons. And I'm here to say you can trust what God has to say in regards to what belongs to Him. It kind of looks like this. I'll throw this on the screen. When an individual surrenders everything to the Lord, their possessions, their relationships, they just live a a life with a heart posture of surrender to God, When an individual surrenders everything to the Lord, not only will God take ownership of their possessions, and that's what all the Christians are scared about. Man, if I surrender everything to the Lord, he'll take take control of all my possessions, he'll take control of all my finances, and that worries you, that scares you, and you're like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can trust the Lord with that, but I want to say this. Not only will God take ownership of your possessions when you live a life of surrender, but he also assumes responsibility for their problems as well. And this is the hope this is the promise. Yes, when you follow biblical wisdom, when it's, when it, here's what God says to do here, and here's what God says to do, you're like, I don't know, if I do what God says, that will create some problems, that will create some tensions, and I'm here to say this, yes it will. It will make you uncomfortable. It will create some tensions. It will not feel right. But God will take responsibility for those tensions and those problems. He doesn't just assume ownership of the possessions. He takes responsibilities for those corresponding problems that goes along with them. And this is why you can trust God. See, at the end of the day, we are really not talking about finances. We're not really talking about money. We're not really talking about wealth. Here's what we're talking about Do you trust God's word or not? That's what it comes down to. And we can be the type of Christian who just talks about how good God is and how much faith you have and you your hands in worship and you can do all the things that would make you feel like you have great faith in God but this is one area where the rubber meets the road and the reality is you can talk a talk but when we follow biblical principles for what God says to do in regards to stewardship and ownership it really reveals what's actually in our heart and I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians maybe even in this room and you talk about faith and you talk about trusting the Lord but the reality is you just don't, not functionally, not practically, and you have all the reasons why for you you're the exception. And here's my point, you say, well, you're just, you're just trying to, you know, you say, well, what? you want something from us. Here's what I want, and it's not something from you, I want something for you. Notice the end of this verse. The person who stewarded well, guess what they got, notice the promise of this passage. He says, enter into the joy of thy Lord. There is a joy that the believer experiences who stewards and manages the life well that God has entrusted to them. A joy. There's two ways you can move through life. You can can move through life holding everything that God's entrusted to you, and you can hold it like you're the owner. It's mine. My money, my possessions, my relationship, mine. Mine. Or you can hold it in a spirit of surrender to say, God, what does your word have to say with this finances? What's your word have to say about these relationships? What's your word have to say about these possessions? And you can hold it, and it's it's still in your possession, but you're holding it like a steward following his wisdom on it. And can I say this? When you hold it like this, there is a joy that you experience that doesn't get to be experienced otherwise. There's a joy. It's available to all of you. But the person who's holding with a posture of the heart like this gets to experience it and enjoy it more deeply and more profoundly. I'll say it this way. People who hold like this and they take responsibility for all their possessions and all their, they tend to be stressed. They live with a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry. But you know a person that functionally and practically lives like a steward, a, a faithful manager, there just tends to be less stress. They're following biblical principles about what God has to say regarding finances and money, and I, I know the worldly wisdom says, "Hold all you can, can all you get." You know, that's what the world says. But you know what? Those per, those people have ulcers. They get stressed out. They have anxiety. But a person who just holds it like this—it doesn't always make sense on paper, and you can't always figure it out. But there is a there's a joy that that Christian gets to experience, and a peace, and they just why? Because the posture of the heart is such that just hey, God's in control, and it's not just words. It's literally the outflow of what's going on in their soul. There is a trust, a faith that exists there. And you say, what is it that, we're? why are we talking through this? Why are we looking? Because there's something that God wants for you. He wants this joy for you. And you find it in aligning with, with his wisdom and his spirit. So our theme for the day was simply this. What you think you own is really just on loan there's going to be an accounting just like there was in this passage there's an accounting an opportunity for you to say how'd you steward how'd you manage we're not the owners we're just the managers so here's the takeaway we're done all right here's the takeaway hold it lightly hold it lightly whatever that whatever it is relationships possessions finances Hold it lightly. Why? So you can experience joy and the fruit of the Spirit more deeply and more profoundly than maybe you are currently right now. So here's my question. We're done. Do you behave more like an owner? Mine. Or do you behave more like a manager and surrender? This this posture is what allows you to deeply and profoundly experience the fruit of the Spirit in much, much more real ways is when you're living life with your finances and your possessions with this, with this posture. Following God's plan and his teachings and his wisdom, even when it doesn't make sense in the physical realm. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.